Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast, Coming up on this episode... Just imagine if Argentina win the World Cup final this weekend and then Lionel Messi invites Cristiano Ronaldo onto the pitch to share the experience with him and then they can lift the trophy together. Beautiful, beautiful ending. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod and I'm joined in a virtual room filled with some lions tonight. We've got Berth, we've got Chris and myself. It's it's been a, It's been one cold week over in the UK. Every morning... Uh, I've, I've, like many people, would wake up, clean the ice from my car, and all I could think about in that cold was, what are you two most looking forward to this weekend? Um, World Cup final. Might finally get to see the greatest of all time lift that World Cup. And I, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. That'd be my highlight of the weekend. And, prob- and probably of the year if it did that, to be honest. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Goat. He's the goat. Strong. He's the goat. He's the goat. Unless Chelsea win the Champions League, then... Well, we're not winning yeah. it this year. I mean, we haven't... Well, got... ex- ex- exactly then. Exactly <laughs> Unless... so. This, this, <laughs> this, is, this is the highlight for me. You, you never know with FIFA. They might just go, you know what? You A for competitions. You, you finish December. Done. Sort it. What, 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 do you, what do you think, Chris? What are you looking forward to this weekend? Uh, you know what? For the first time, and because next week is Christmas week... I don't think I've actually got anything planned this weekend. So I'm actually quite looking forward to relaxing before one of the busiest weeks of the year. I think that's pretty fair. I mean, right. I've got to go for it. Got to go for it. I'm looking forward to sitting down Saturday evening to watch Colts at Vikings, then Ravens at Browns. It's then followed the next day, Sunday football, Lions at Jets. Just football, football, more football. I'm happy. I'm wearing a Seahawks Christmas jumper. So even more happier. Ah. Some, oh. some big games in there. Big <laughs> games. Massive. Massive. Yeah. <laughs> right. As always, we kick off the show with another round of who is that former blue. It's the final former blue of the year that is 2022. Burphy's on 17. Chris is on 18. Ollie would have probably felt like Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL draft because uh, he wouldn't, he got no chance of winning. Now, Berth, I've got to give... Give context here. Berth, we didn't know if he'd make it for tonight's show. So he did get a shot at the former blue earlier in a text form. Yes. yes. I, I haven't given if he's right or wrong, but this is the former blue. He played six times for Chelsea, including nine minutes against Juventus in the Champions League last 16. He made his international debut this year in July for the Seychelles. And he was once named Chelsea's Young Player of the Year. And he has played with Nicholas Bentner, Hyung Min Son and Jamie O'Hara. Chris, I'm going to you because I, I've already heard Berth's guess on the WhatsApp. So have you got an idea? No. Oh. I mean, did you say the Seychelles? That's who made it in the Se- Yeah, for the Seychelles. Wow. Now, I'll be honest. I saw that and thought, what? What on earth? Like, who's played for the Seychelles that's played for Chelsea? Then and then, then I, you dove into your Seychelles it, international knowledge and thought, got that, it. 
That's exactly what it was. But no, <laughs> then I was like, then I looked at the players and I, I thought the young player of the year, and then something clicked. And I'm not saying I think I'm right, but I think it's a decent guess. I, I think I'm fairly confident, but I would say 75 percent confident. We'll, we'll we'll find out at the end. Right, with that, we're going to head to the newsroom. So let's just at Stamford Bridge. So, it's that time of the week. Grab yourself a drink. We're going to check out the news that you may have missed in the elevator of Chelsea News. Yusufa Makoko is close to an agreement in principle with Borussia Dortmund over a contract extension. That then changed 360, well, or 180, to say that that's not the case. And Chelsea is strongly pushing for his signing in January. Armando Brozier is out for the season after being told he needs surgery to repair a ruptured cruciate ligament. Crypto trading firm Amber Group have terminated their $25 million sponsorship with Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel's intention was to apparently play Jules Koundé as a right wing back in a five-man defence at Chelsea. When the former manager made that clear to him, uh, the defender chose to not uh, opt for a move to Chelsea. Chelsea have been offered the chance to sign Atletico Madrid duo Yao Felix and Mateus Cunha. And finally in the news, we can confirm, we can confirm this. Harry Kane's penalty has landed somewhere on the planet Neptune. Oh, still too soon. Still too soon. <laughs> so, so guys, the one thing that has caught everyone's eye this week, second to Kane's penalty, because that'll cause a bruise, um, is Fabrizio Romano's bombshell of a tweet, a bombshell that Chelsea concluding a deal to sign mould forward David Datro Fafana. So, so do you do you want to know some more about him? Go on then. Oh, I'm, Go I'm on. glad. Tell us, you, more. Tell us I'm, more. I'm glad you said that because I wrote it all out, so uh, no one has a choice. Uh, Fafana, he's currently 19 years old. He went from Ivorian club AFAD, located in the country's largest and economic centre, Abidjan. I hope I got those pronounced properly. Uh, he moved to obviously the Norwegian club Mold last year on a four-year deal. He earned his first senior international debut cap even for the Ivory Coast at the age of just 16. He did this, this talented individual. He's made 65 appearances for Mould and he scored 24 goals and 10 assists while helping the team win the domestic league and cup. That's Ali Gunnar Solskjaer's former club, of course, which did include Erling Haaland. And that single senior cap for his country to date came against Chad in an African nations championship match. But I'm sure you'll be hoping to increase that number significantly in the years to come. So Fafana has previously expressed his love for Chelsea, naming Didier Drogba, the icon himself, a legendary compatriot and a blues icon, as a major source of inspiration in his own career. So how are we feeling on this deal? Brighton were ahead at some point, and now we seem to have jumped in and uh, took him. What, what, what are we thinking? Yeah, good. I, th- I think we would have made this signing if Brozier hadn't got injured, to be honest. I, I feel like it's one of them I don't think it would have mattered whether Brozier was fit or not because he's clearly one for the future and the model that we're going for he fits it perfectly so yeah he's an exciting talent I can't say I've watched loads on him because I haven't but from what I've seen on YouTube and stuff like that big player powerful looks quick very decent both feet and if he can uh, put the ball in the back of the net then we have got a Didier Drogba regen but it's whether he can <laughs> obviously he's, he's very raw at the moment it's whether he can sort of Cut it in the Premier League, very physical league. Obviously, the league is in. No disrespect, it's not quite the Premier League. So, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts. But, look, from YouTube, he looks very, very talented. Um, and, yeah, one for the future, for sure. 
I mean, he does play for Malder, not Mold. I have no idea why I kept saying. <laughs> I've just <laughs> since I, since I finished, I just thought, why have I done that? I've done it again. Oh, Malder. Uh, right, Chris, what what are you thinking? We're we're really pushing this Vision Twenty Thirty project, aren't we? Yes, it'll be interesting with him to know whether he's going to come in or whether he's going to stay there on loan. I don't know whether that's been mentioned yet. I don't um, think so. I haven't seen that. No, because normally they say, don't they, like, we'll sign him, but then he'll he'll stay on loan. But mm. I can't see him coming in and coming straight into the first team. Um, so it will be interesting. Uh, but he does look a good player, and it's, it's sort of in keeping with what we're doing. Um, going after the young players and there was a lot of clubs interested in it I'll be honest with you though until the news broke I'd never heard of him before in my life so <laughs> no I think that's fair I mean I, I personally hadn't as well you know I mean we're expected to pay in excess of about 10 million euros that's about 8.6 million British pounds for, for Farner um, he, he recently is said to have been in talks with Obviously, Graham Potter's former club, Brighton. And he had been linked with the likes of Liverpool, Leicester and Schalke in recent months. That's quite a nice little pool of different variety of, of stature of clubs, I'd say. I mean, yeah, like I said, he's clearly a part of this Vision 2030, which is the strategy that Bowley and Clear Lake Capital have in mind. Obviously, when they've signed Cassidy and Chukwemeka and obviously now looks like Fafana. I mean, I, it's... We keep talking about we wanted a project and this seems to be the project. So we could either back it or we don't. Uh, you know, it's pretty fair. I mean, we said about um, our play, our fans backing Graham Potter. Now, you could say on social media that you would feel that, no, they want him gone. When we did a Twitter poll, we had Graham Potter being backed as the winner. So that's... You know, it was pretty, it was 100% backing him, 46.9%. On the fence was 31%. And Graham Potter out was 21%. So uh, that sort of says it all. Interesting, right. interesting. I, I'd be very shocked if it was a, a I, you have to be careful with social media. And, you know, sometimes it's the vocal minority that sound the loudest. And you start to think, clearly, Graham Potter gone. Doesn't seem to be the case. But we are... Moments away, aren't we, from the most important time of the football calendar. It's not the World Cup final and not even the endless rehash tweets of the Boxing Day results from 1963. But we're talking about that January transfer window. So today we're going to have a little bit of a discuss of who our dream signings could and should be. You know, we've we've signed some gems in the January window. We've had Gary Cahill, Nicholas Anelka. And even the Ballon d'Or winner, George Weyer. Uh, now, we're we're in a unique moment of space and time. January, not often do we see big deals occur, very rarely. But we've just had a World Cup. And after an international tournament, a player always almost certainly gets a big move, at least one. And this January could be a hot one for that. You know, we've got Croatia goalkeeper Dominic Livakovic, uh, England's Jude Bellingham. The USA's Yunus Musa and obviously Ghana attacker Mohamed Kudus. They've all caught the eye. But who would be your dream January signing? Uh, let's be realistic, I guess. We can't really go and say Messi. It's not going to happen. Um, well, I've, I've been thinking about this all day. And the one name that keeps cropping up in my mind is uh, Alexander Mitrovic. Which I wow, think did not see that coming. I did not see that coming either. Oh yeah, wow. I think that's a very realistic signing to make, and I think 
we're lacking goals up front. Aubameyang hasn't quite cut it yet. Havertz, the jury's still out on him. Mitrovic, proven goal scorer in really good form at the minute. And he'll give you that sort of Diego Costa edge. And he I wouldn't, don't he think... wouldn't even have to move for house, would he? Fulham, Chelsea. <laughs> no, exactly. But I, th- I think Mitrovic is actually a very underrated footballer. He's technically actually very good. Oh, um, yeah. Some of the goals, some of the goals he scored as well have been unbelievable. And he, he gave Virgil van Dijk the run around first game of the season. So I, I think Mitrovic would be a very shrewd bit of business if we get him in the, the January transfer window. I'm not saying we're going to get him, but I think that would be a really, really good signing and a realistic one. Yeah, you say that. And now I'm starting to get flashbacks of when we got a Nelka from Bolton. You know that See? that that, yeah. that that type of striker that you know is very very deadly in front of goal. Yet they're not playing for a top ten team, and you yeah. feel maybe we could argue a bit get get a good bargain here. What about you, Chris? Who's one of the players in your mind? I would really like us to sign Ruben Neves. Oh yes, I I agree again. That's a brilliant shout. And- Although it would be, I think it would be costly, um, especially for a January transfer window. But I don't think it's that unrealistic when you look at where Wolves are at the minute. Yeah, They are struggling. Mm -hmm. And a player like Neves is going to move eventually. And I think you could tempt them by paying a sizable fee for Neves which they can then use to rebuild their team in areas where they are really lacking yeah. uh, to improve their form. So I don't think it's that unrealistic. And I, I honestly can't believe that almost every transfer window goes by and he's never linked with a move away, which I don't understand. Yeah, I, I mean, you say they're struggling. They're bottom of the league. <laughs> I mean, you can't get much more. I, I, I think what's interesting about Neves as well, Chris, and I know... You're a massive Cesc Fabregas fan. I'm not saying Neves is on that level, but I think what Neves does give you, he can unlock a defence with one pass. Yeah. And he's got that range mm. of passing, which I don't think we've actually got. I know Jorginho is very good at keeping the ball ticking over. And, you know, he's a, he's a very good passer, Jorginho. But I think going forward, he doesn't get that many assists. He doesn't make that many long balls. I mean, I know he made a really good pass to Tammy Abraham three or four years ago now, but how many long three balls does Jorginho really play? Um, I mean, I think Neves, yeah. Neves always looks for that risky pass. He'll try and make that long diagonal. He'll try and make that 40-yard pass to split a defence in half. So I, I think that would be a really good good boy. I mean, especially I if it well. was his three years ago, that makes you worry that maybe they're not yeah. that level. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And if you look at it, he has played in a double pivot type system at yeah. Wolves with Jal Moutinho, mm. who is very... Jorginho-esque yeah. so I think he could be a really good partner for Jorginho I, I I actually could see this I, I I mean yeah I'm I'm backing that right for me I've sort of put two and two together made 506 because we've got American owners now who was American and impressed at the World Cup Yunus Musa I mentioned him earlier and obviously the Netherlands may have shattered the USA's chance of reaching a World Cup quarterfinal the first time since 2002 so fair play to him uh, but that does not mean that their campaign was up without the bright points. And Musa, he's he's twenty years old. He's at Valencia, and you know he when he went to Spain in twenty nineteen, he spent seven years at the Arsenal academy, and he was one of the most talented of those players. 
and he might once again become a wanted man. You know, he was obviously his American citizenship is because he was born in New York and his mother was obviously visiting there with family. Um, he represented England at five youth levels and then swore allegiance to the US in 2021. Now, Valencia had previously been open to bids for him, but the genuine interest never really materialised. And you, when it comes to Valencia, this this side is is apparently still open to offers. And we know Valencia want to make, you know, their owners want the money. That seems to be the the general vibe. And I'm pretty sure they probably hope that Moose's performances in Qatar will help increase that demand and probably increase the fee. When I looked into this, there seems to be other Premier League teams looking into him. Uh, obviously, again, Valencia's financial situation plays a part. Apparently, €20 million Euros is mentioned. And he's believed to be eager to take on a new challenge. He spent three and a half years in Spain after all. His contract expires, I think, 25-26. Do you think this is the central midfielder we need? Or have I just sort of gone and just, just gone, gone off on a tangent? No, I think it's um, for the price... And, and for the potential, I, I think it'd be a, a very good bit of business. You, you do wonder whether he'll be able to adapt straight away and that. But from what I saw in Qatar, he looked very, very good. Um, so I, I, I think it would be a good buy. Um, it's just whether the problem is with buying a midfielder, we have got a very stacked midfield, and it's whether True. someone you sort of sacrifice someone like a kind of Gallagher to get him in or something like that. So. I do worry about centre mid. Like, have we got too many mm. options? I think I think it's on where we'll we'll have to sell uh, to buy sort of things. So yeah, that's uh, my only concern with that. Yeah, I, I mean, Chris, do you think I've gone for the wrong American midfielder when there was Tyler Adams? No, I don't think so because I think I mean Tyler Adams has only just moved to Leeds. He only moved this summer, so realistically, you're not going to be able to get him anyway. And I don't think he was actually as impressive. Um, Tyler Adams. I, I, I thought it is a good. I, I do think it would be a good. It would be a good buy when you look at the fee involved and his age. But then I, I, I do agree with you, Berth. I think we have got a lot of midfielders, and you think is he better than Loftus Cheek? Is he better than Conor Gallagher? It's difficult. I think in January. It, I've always said with January. Don't make a sign-in unless he improves your starting eleven, which is rare in January because it's hard to get those players. But unless they improve your starting eleven or you are buying a definite backup, then I, I would always steer clear. But I do think if he was available, if, if it got to a point where a lot of clubs was available and we couldn't hold out to the summer, I don't think it would be a terrible move to make. Hmm. I mean, there is another player I've got in mind you know we've got Brozier out for the season at least that leaves us with Abamyang and Havertz in the forwards department now a few years ago that'd probably be fine but it's not 2018 and Abamyang isn't going to expect it to be getting 25 plus goals a season and Miguel Angel Gilmarin he's the chief executive of Atletico Madrid and rarely makes public statements so I'm told so he when he he took he made a statement and it said Reasonable to think that he, Yao Felix, might leave. Now, that's made many journalists believe that's an admission that he's leaving in January. And I, I kind of feel it's kind of right. I mean, several top teams are interested in him. Villa, I don't know where Villa came from on that. I don't know how that happened, but he's that apparently he's not happening. Now, he 
if he's available on loan, which according to some sources he might be, albeit for obviously you have to pay the loan fee, it's going to be significant and the salary. I mean, that's interesting. Others obviously believe that a player who joined Atletico in 2019 for whopping 126 million euros, and especially because he's on the contract to 2026, he's more likely to make a permanent move. Now, I like him. Our friend Adrian over at Rabona TV was a huge fan of him at Benfica. The only issue I find with this move, especially now he's been offered to us as well, that we're told, he kind of suits the Arsenal style of play more than the Chelsea style right now. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't want him to be another player that comes in and he's isolated up front because we cannot get the delivery service to him. That so you, you know, you know what? I do I do think Yao Felix is a very talented footballer um, and I'd, I'd be open to a loan deal for uh, for him, 100%. The only problem I have with Felix is, and I, I think he falls into the same category as Kai Havertz, both wonderful talents, both wonderful football players. But I think sometimes they're, they're, they've got their diversity and now that where they can play and how they can play is their downfall. Like, is Alfie Felix an out and out striker? I don't think so. Is he better off as a false nine or a number 10? Maybe. Is he better out on the left? I, I don't know where his best position is. Um, and I do feel in games from what I've watched, he does. And I don't know if it's because he was at Atletico Madrid and just didn't suit him, but. I don't notice him for large parts of the game, same as Havertz. And I wouldn't want him to come in and be exactly like Havertz because then we've got two of the same player sort of thing. Yeah. Um, obviously, that, that... Uh, I, it could it could work out for him. I'd love him to because I think he's got all the potential in the world because he's a fantastic player. But I don't want him to come in and be another guy Havertz where I don't know where his best position is. He drifts in and out of games. You know, you can't have two of those players in your team. You just can't. No, I mean, at Benfica, it was the second striker role and it worked so well for him. And now he's moved to Atletico, who are very defensive-minded. That's just how they play. And it it doesn't work for his attacking mindset. It's just not. I I don't... What what do you think, Chris? I agree completely with Berth. He is a very talented player, but I still think Kai Havertz has talent. I just think he struggles to impact games, and I think Joao Felix is the same. It's really difficult because I found this quite difficult to do because we don't really know how Potter wants to play still, and I think that's probably the the hardest thing about this is if he was going to play a a front two like he did at Brighton at times... Mm then Gio Felix probably would be a decent option, especially if it was only a loan deal, which isn't going to cost the earth. And he could play as that second striker. Then you'd think, yeah, okay, maybe that's going to work. But if you look at the system that we have been using, I'm, I, I'm like Berth. I just, I don't know where he would play. And I, the physicality of the Premier League would be a concern for me with him as well, because he's not overly physical. Um, and I don't think he's clever enough in the positions he takes up to get away with it. I think you look at someone like Luka Modric, for example. Mm. Really, he's not built like a centre midfielder, but he positions himself so well that he's always in space. And I think when you're not an overly physical player, that is something you have to do. And Felix, I, I don't think he's quite got that. So I do think it would be another Havertz situation where you'd look at him getting bullied most weeks 
Yeah, I I actually totally understand your point. That's what my concern is. It it's it it's one of them signings that I'd be excited about, but then I'd worry would it even work because of the Kai Havertz yeah. thing. It's very similar. Um, do you have any other any other any other suggestions that you want to throw out before we move on? I've um, got a one. bit of a I've, I've got one as well. Um, a, a bit of a sort of out of nowhere one, and I, I, it's a bit sort of outside the box. Um, Timber from Ajax. I think Ooh. would be. I'm not saying we'd get him in January, but I think he'd definitely be a really good buy for us because he's quite versatile. Can play centre back, hmm. he can play CDM, and he can play on the right as well. So I'm not sure what the price would be because I think he's only 21. So I actually probably want a lot for him. But selling club, I thought he's very impressive against Liverpool from what I've seen. Good in the World Cup. Um, I, I think it'd be a really good buy for Chelsea if we was to get him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um. <laughs> My other one is I also went striker after the Broya situation. And what I said on Monday about I don't trust Aubameyang or Kai Havertz to hit 10 goals. They'd be lucky if they hit 10 goals between them. Um, <laughs> and I thought who could play as a striker and would be available in January? Memphis Depay. Yeah, yes, that's a good yeah, show. I've seen about this. Two million he's been offered, hasn't he? And everyone's gone, nope. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Because if you look at how we've been playing, we have been playing with sort of that false nine. And he is good at that. I know people will go back to, he was at Man United and he didn't do very well. But I mean, let's face it, that was in an era where... Everyone was no, shit for them. <laughs> yeah, no one went to Man United and did well. So I don't think he should be solely judged on that. He's a very talented player. He's very creative as well. And I think that's something that we really lack. He doesn't always do the obvious. He, he He's a bit of a maverick that way. And I think for that price and available in January, I think it'd be a really good signing. Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember that. Let's look at Memphis Depay left. Man United went to Leon, did well. Angel Di Maria... Is considered one of the best players of his generation. He was dread. He, he had a few good moments, but he was hardly the superstar at Old Trafford that he is now. Exactly. And he was a exactly. super. He was he was the man of the match in the Champions League final before they signed him. And it kind of says a lot about Man United at the, in that period. Yeah, yeah, I I think Depay for two million. Look, at the end of the day, yeah, money is money is money, but for two million in this sort of football point in time that's nothing it's not it's nothing it isn't it, you know no. it's like oh whatever you'd make that back in probably shirt sales and hot drinks i don't know but yeah, we'd have would. to we'll have to see we'll have to see right it might not be monday but in our group chat chris he had a hot take on brosia that i feel needs to be aired and since monday will be the christmas quiz we'll just move the segment so the monday but on a friday hot take is i hate to say it but I think that's the end of his Chelsea career. 12 months out, in that time, the club will make signs and move on, then probably alone to get back to fitness, and I doubt that that will be a massively successful, so then probably another loan, and by that time he'll be stuck in a cycle. You know what? I actually, when I read that, at first I'm thinking, what? And then I think how we work and what is likely, I, I can I could see that happening. Yeah, I, I agree with Chris as well. I, I, I think it's um, it's a long time to be out, He's at a really important stage of his career. Um, and I'm not going to lie, the games that he has played, he's been good. But would I say he's been mind-blowingly good? No, probably not. Um, 
and now with this injury, I, I do really feel for him, but I, I, I think it might be the end of his Chelsea career as well. Yeah, I mean, Chris, what do you think about Chris? I, I hope it's not, though. <laughs> what do you think about your own opinion there? Yeah, well, I, I just want to clarify that that isn't me hoping that that happens. Oh, um, gosh, no. No way. No, no, just... no one hopes it happens. No one hopes no. it happens. But I just, I can't see how you can be out for that long and then the club won't make a sign-in as a striker in 12 months. I just don't think that would happen. I mean, I think we probably would have made one anyway, whether he was fit or not. But at least if you can get on the pitch, you're giving yourself a fighting chance. I mean, when uh, you start in the medical room, you're not even having a chance. And well, the that's will, it. The club, the club will move on. Yeah, and football's cutthroat. We have to, we, yeah. whether we like it or not, it is. When he comes back from injury, if he does go out on loan, the only way he can get back on track is if he had a really successful loan spell somewhere. Yeah. But after an injury like that, we've seen it with Loftus-Cheek. We've seen mm. it with Hudson-Odoi. Yeah. It's difficult to hit those levels again. Even Ben Chilwell, we've seen it with him. <laughs> it's really hard to get back to those levels again. Yeah. And especially if you rely on that quick burst of pace, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I know some listeners that know my love of the NFL, there's a player in the Seahawks division, Kyler Murray. He's known as quite a mobile pocket passer and he's recently ruptured his ACL and he will be out for the rest of this season and some of the next. And you think, will he be able to do the runs that he did? Because his, his knee, you know, you're never the same. You can come back the same player, but there's always that strong that chance that you might not, you might not have that burst of pace to, you know, duck a defender or whatever. You never know. I We've all hoped Brozier recovers well and just kicks on that career and becomes that Diego Costa-like player for us. We really do hope, but you just never know. You never know in football. Right. Fancy some seconds. I, I know. I know you do. The Perth Glory legend himself is back. William Gallas, he told the Metro or anyone that will listen to him. If Chelsea don't finish in the top four, Todd Bowley would have failed. There can be no excuses for a club like Chelsea finishing outside of the top four. We're always very quick to judge players on their performance and it should be the same for the owner. Todd Bowley arrived and spent a lot of money, but if he doesn't qualify for the top four, he would have failed. So Gallas won't be going around Todd's for Christmas dinner this year. But has would you argue Todd's failed? <clears throat> um, no, not really. I, I think you got to judge a chairman or an owner after say five years. You got sort of you got to give them time. To, same as a manager, you got to give them time to implement a plan, get the right players in. You know, it, it takes time. These things you can't just expect success Ev- overnight. Yeah, everyone wants to trust the process, but they want it now or yesterday. Yeah, uh, uh, you know what? That's the problem with being a Chelsea fan, and you see it on Twitter all the time. People expect success straight away, and, and this is the problem that we've got. You look at Arsenal, you look at Arteta, they've gave him time, and they might not win anything this year, but look how well he's gone playing at the minute. They're mm-hmm. first at the minute. He would have expected that exactly. like three years ago. So you've got to give the manager, the chairman, the owner time, get the players in that he wants, get the model structuring that he wants, mm-hmm. and then judge him after five years. I know Chris will agree on this, because I'm thinking, the we... I've just literally lost my trailer for fuck's sake. That was awful. Oh, <laughs> how have I done that? I've just, it's just gone. It was, I was just thinking about something to do with the long term. But what I was trying to get at is we want the social media seems to be, we want this success now, but we don't want to wait. And sometimes you have to. And I've just remembered what I was going to get at. 
we have been blessed with two moments in our history, in our club history, and they are the biggest trophy you can win in club football, the Champions League. Both of our Champions League victories, and you could have argued a third, would have been or have been from sacking a manager mid-season. Because we obviously sacked Mourinho and then got Avram Grant, went to the final, lost. We sacked Villas-Boas, brought in Di Matteo, won the Champions League. Sacked Lampard, won the Champions League with Tuchel. Whether it's, it's, it's probably papered over the cracks, let's be blunt, the 2021 one. But we've been blessed with instant success and it doesn't work like that, does it? Not if you want it to last long term, no. I think that's the one thing that we really should have learned by now as fans is if a manager comes in and does something like that straight away, in 18 months he'll be sacked. Yeah, because yeah. He's not building anything sustainable. It's winning in the moment, which is great for the team at the moment and the fans, and that's brilliant. And we've, we've all loved those moments. But they're not, they're not thinking long term. Like if you're if you've bought in a manager and you've told him to have a long term, you know, a three, four, five year plan, you're not going to get success straight away. It's not gonna happen, especially in year one. Like, I don't think there's been anyone who's done that. Even Guardiola at City didn't get success in year one. They finished no. fourth in the Premier League yeah, in exactly. year one. You know, Klopp at Liverpool didn't win anything in his first year. I mean, they won nothing in their second year either. Um you know, it's if you want long-term success, you have to put up with short-term misery. And mm. I think, you know, I mean, William Gallas speaks absolute bullshit anyway most of the time. And mm. to say that Bowley would have failed if we don't get top four, we didn't look like getting top four before we bought the club. We wasn't in a position where you thought, oh, we're definitely going to be in the top four. We didn't look like that mm. then. So it's not like we are shoehorned into that that top four and it's getting more competitive with the likes of Newcastle emerging and you know Tottenham have under Conte look like a, a team who just know how to win games enough to get in that top four Arsenal under Arteta have obviously leaped forward from where they was last year Man United under Ten Hag are improving every week. So it's it's more competitive now. It's a lot harder to get in that top four. And over the next five years, regardless of who's in charge, we will miss out on that top four at least once. And yeah. I think all of those clubs will. At least once in five years, we'll miss out on that on that top four. So I don't think it's a massive failure. I think that's just a ludicrous statement to make. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Guardiola was, he finished third in his first year. And the, how that club was built was, again, you're right. The competitive nature of the league is nothing like it was when Guardiola joined. It's got even more competitive now. And the thing with that, what did they do? The ownership at City, they built round Guardiola. They brought in the right people, the right scouting team, the right youngsters and the, the academy and all that flooded through. That's what we're doing now. It's going to take time. Uh, we just have to be patient. Yeah, it will suck. It will suck when we don't have the Champions League. Maybe it'll be next season we don't have Champions League football possible. But And then you hear, oh, financial fair play. Look, we all know there's ways around financial fair play. Whether we agree or disagree to it, there is, because City have been able to do it. Uh, many other clubs have been able to do it. 
it's just one of those things we're gonna have to be patient you know it's not lowering our standards it's just setting them at a realistic level because of the situation we're in we are not in a position where we can challenge a title this season or next we just can't and if we think as well like that's that thing what you just said there about people keep going on about lowering your standards i think it only becomes lowering your standards when you start to accept it year after year yeah exactly if we was to finish fifth this year and then next year finish sixth and the year after finish fifth or sixth and we start accepting that then it's lowering your standards yeah to to admit that it might happen one year for us to be better long term it's not lowering your standards it's just not being an idiot i mean i could not believe that today i saw that the top three i mean this is the bookies odds in the uk that for the next managerial casualty in the premier league lampard's number one with everton well they sit 17th just a point above the relegation zone then it was david moyes again one point above the relegation zone in 16th and then graham potter he's barely been in the job yeah it's, I mean, we know the nature of our club. We know the swapping and changing of managers. But I, if anyone genuinely thinks that Potter will get sacked after we've invested what we've invested in, the coaching team he has, we've paid out the contracts at Brighton, we're signing the players that he's obviously, he, Fafana's an example. You know, he was one of the Brighton targets and building the technical team behind him. It's, we've just got to back the manager. You have to, there's no point booing and, you know, throwing out ridiculous statements. We have to back him and hopefully it will turn because, you know, the fans, they are the 12th man on the pitch. You know, you back that team, they get an extra, make make Stamford Bridge a fortress when we return against Bournemouth. Is that at home or is that at Bournemouth? Yeah, that... no, it's at home, I think. I think it's at home. Yeah, it's at home, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let, me just, let me just quickly check. We put, Yeah, we are at home. 27th of December. Yeah, uh, yeah half five kickoff, so... Yeah, we just have to back the manager. We'd, so, yeah. Sorry, William. We, you, we, He has not failed. Uh, right. Before we sign off, we're going to find out who is that former blue. And I said at the start, he played six times for Chelsea, nine minutes against Juve in the Champions League last 16. International debut this year in July for the Seychelles. Chelsea Young Player of the Year once. And he's played with Bentner, Son and O'Hara. Now, have you got any ideas, Chris? I think I might have. Okay, well, that's fair. Can you guess the clubs that he's played at? Because I feel like this might be where it comes down to. I might be wrong. I I don't know about Son. Okay. But I can't remember who Son played for in Germany. Leverkusen, weren't it? It was Leverkusen. Yeah, I thought it was Leverkusen. Okay. I've got Bentner at Nottingham Forest. Oh, I think. Uh, Okay. And uh, Jamie O'Hara, it was either Portsmouth, but then I thought, I think it might be Wolves. Okay. Right. I can confirm that I think that you've both got this because I've seen Berth's answer. I know Berth's got it right. I've seen his answer. He's right. Who do you think it is, Chris? Michael Mancian. It is indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, officially, I'm going to give you both a point here, but can oh. you wait for it? Wait for it. If you can get Son. You will win it outright. Uh, I'm not saying you were wrong with your choice. I'm just saying that Son played. I, I, I don't think it was Leverkusen. I, I, it couldn't be. Okay. It's not going to be South Korea, oh. is it? Oh, was it Hamburg? 
It was indeed. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. No. It was indeed. Great FIFA oh. signing. That's where I used to sign Sod from Hamburg before he made a move. It's like, yep, yeah, have him in my team. Right. I, with... I, I, I didn't know Sung played there, but I remember Mancien playing there. He did. That was an iconic uh, loan move. We don't see many. Well, we do. Hudson Adoy is over in Bundesliga, so that's just rubbish yeah. for me. But um, yeah, that that's it with that. Chris wins. That, that was very anticlimactic, but he wins. He's won it. Yeah. Hey. Well, injuries. Of, injuries. Have injuries. That is year. fair. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we've got a quiz on Monday, so you never know. You can I'm winning it. it. I'm, I'm winning it. I'm winning it. I'm, I'm really winning looking it. forward to the quiz. Uh, I'm winning it. Worked on this for a month. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a mixture of WhatsApp messages and then reveal. So there's no cheating. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Like right. Ending positive. We've on our podcast, so thank you for listening. You've stuck for us through the Christmas period, the Christmas period, the World Cup period, and we 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 wish you an incredible weekend. We'll be back on Monday to do the Christmas quiz. So till next yeah. time, that will be us signing off. You've been listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At the Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.